Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Hi, thank you, Joseph, and welcome to Training with Casey. I'm Casey Cover, your host. And tonight, I would like to talk to you about this idea I have. And I don't know. I don't know about this. I really want this to work. And I can see a lot of ways it could not work. Anyway, here's what it is. Horses seem to poop unconsciously whenever and wherever. However, in the past, I taught Sarah to poop only in one corner of her stall. And she was really good at it. She's really good at maintaining that. Even up until uh, recently when she was at the stable. Now, it would fall apart if she was inside for too long. And I think what happens is when they're inside for too long, they start walking around in circles in the stall. And it kind of gets everything roiled up. No matter where the horse deposits this stuff, it gets spread all over the stall. Not good for anyone. So let's say there were really terrible thunderstorms outside or or it was way too hot or way too cold for the horses and they were kept inside even though the horse was defecating and urinating in the correct place, it would still get spread all over. Now, go fast forward to where we are now. At this time, it's summertime. We have stall mats down over the concrete, so the horse's hooves are protected and so forth, but I don't have any shavings or straw spread on the stall mats because the horses can go right outside and sleep on the ground, which would still be softer than sleeping on a little bit of shavings on top of a stall mat on top of concrete. But the stall doesn't have, since there's two horses, there's feeders on each side. So you can't just say, okay, go to the, you know, uh, northwest corner and that's the latrine. That's where you crock. And especially because there's two horses and they don't necessarily feel comfortable being that close to each other all the time. So we have to rethink that. Meanwhile, Why have it inside at all? They can go out at all times of the day or night. So let's make a latrine. A latrine that has a special fencing area that allows the horse to get into position and poop and pee right into it. Well, I like that a lot. Even the pee I don't care about so much, but the poop, definitely. So I've already scoped it out. I found a wagon that I can 
use as a latrine. And I could take that out to the windrow or to the compost once or twice a day as required and not have to spend about an hour or an hour and a half a day picking up horse poop, which is randomly spread throughout the entire area that they have access to. And then they walk through it anyway. No, even though the area is bigger, they still walk through it. So then it gets broken up into little tiny pieces and you can't clean it up anymore. And that's another reason to keep the paddock bare because if you were growing grass in there, it'd be more likely to have parasites and so on in it. And so you might as well keep it bare and keep the poop off of their pasture land as much as you can. So that means that this latrine would be great. Also, if we can make it movable, already thought of that. We've, we've got a latrine that has hard wheels that we can move, that can be in place safely for the horses to use, but then we can move it. So what are the challenges? The challenges are uh, making the fence interface that the horses have to orient to in order to poop. And one of the complications is they've got tails. So I might have to cut the tails at first. So maybe wait until the fly season is over to do the initial training for this. The second thing is the motivation, how to motivate them to do this. Why would they want to discipline themselves when they can do it wherever they want? Because it doesn't appear that they have the same concerns about hygiene that I do. We'll see, we'll see. So that's as far as we've taken it so far. Now. I would like to say that this isn't the first time I thought about this. At the University of Maryland, we taught the uh, equine program horse or horses to use a certain area of their stall as a latrine. And here's what the results were. We would cherry pick the stall twice a day after each meal. And we would only strip the stall when the shavings really got dirty. And it turns out that we never actually had to strip the stall, not once. And at the end of the six months, our stall still looked better than the stalls that just got left alone. And then they'd be stripped every X number of days. And of course, we use considerably less shavings because a lot of what we picked up wasn't mixed with shavings at all. We got it right as it was delivered. Hmm, that might be an insight also on how to get this started. Anyway, um, before I even did the University of Maryland stint, which I loved, by the way, shout out to all my friends there. But anyway, um, I approached the elephant keepers at the National Zoo about this. 
And I actually was really surprised they were dead set against it. And I think there's an ulterior motive. I thought they would really like to be able to spend other kinds of time with their elephants and not have to be constantly picking up elephant poop. I mean, you think a horse is difficult. Horses, uh, we're getting probably six times five gallons, so 30 gallons of horse poop a day. An elephant was, I don't know what it was in weight, but it was like six wheelbarrows per elephant per day. Okay, that's a lot of physical labor. But the elephant keepers were not interested in trying to teach the elephants not to do that. And I think that they might've had a really good reason for it. And I think what that reason might've been, if you're an elephant person, let me know, right? Why wouldn't you like this? Or why would you like this? Elephants required so much cleanup that elephant trainers were on duty with their elephants the entire day. And if they weren't required to be there in order to clean up after them, to keep things hygienic and, and healthy for the public as well as for the animals, they might have been pulled away from their elephants and had to spend more time in other kinds of work. And so these people love their elephants. Maybe they'd rather do this hard labor with the elephants than risk not being with them. Who knows? Okay, that's the latrine idea. Now, here's another idea, and this is totally different. But when you move an animal, it is extremely stressful. They have a three times greater than normal chance of getting ill or dying for an entire year. I can't give you a citation for that, but they taught us that in the pathology meetings. Shout out to Richard Montali and Don Nickel. And I've taken that to heart ever since. And I quarantined my animals like we didn't change anything until they'd been here for 30 days. And, and, uh, they passed that about a week ago. Just giving them a chance to get used to and adjust to all the changes. And they did both lose a little bit of weight. So they seem to be doing great in all other ways. They seem to be happy, but we're working to get the weight back on them in time for the winter. So we'll keep you posted. But meanwhile, could we do other things to alleviate that stress? And what is that stress from? Well, a big thing is that they had dear, dear friends. And one of the things that I really regret about the way that we manage animals in general is that I think we really underestimate the importance of friendships. Friendships with the people, and friendships with the other animals. So 
the um, stable that we came from, One Red Maple, it was a really wonderful place to be. We loved being there and it got to the point where our horses, particularly a fair, just were not good stable candidates any longer. Sarah's 32 years old and Affair is blind now. And she also became easily, easily agitated with the comings and the goings at the stables. And so when Sarah's dear, dear friend was about to leave the stable because the stable owner had sold the stable and they were now going to go to a different place, I was really concerned and I thought this is the time to make our move. And we really had to work hard to be able to do it at all. Well, fortunately, the Sarah's very best friend is named Fedora. And Fedora was owned by the is owned by the previous stable owner. And so we know where she is and we're all still friends. And I had, of all things, right? They they have to think I'm nuts. I wanted to arrange a play date for Sarah and Fedora over at our place before Fedora left, uh, you know, to go up to the mountains so that they would know that both of them were still alive and well, that they might not be together, but they didn't cease to be. And... I know from my own experience that animals love seeing old friends again. They don't forget. They don't lose enthusiasm for people. But it, uh, you know, it just couldn't be done. But imagine how delighted I was when the former owner, the you know owner of Fedora, but the former owner of the stables contacted me and asked if I would like to try FaceTiming between the animals. Wow, of course I would. And there's a whole history on this one because um, the stable owner's name is Lynn. And Lynn is amazing in a lot of different ways. But one of the things is where so many people have been so close, particularly in the horse world, so close to the idea of doing things differently. Lynn has always been open. And she met Sarah and got to know Sarah and saw that Sarah really listens to what you say and responds accordingly and of all things, before she owned Fedora, I had worked with Fedora also, and Fedora learned quite a lot of things. And so she knows a lot of language already. And of course, Lynn is probably carrying it on as she goes. But anyway, we can set up an opportunity for the horses to see each other face-to-face -face virtually. Now, let's talk about logistics. One is on both ends, we're way out in the country and it's 
an unknown of whether we can get a signal where we are. So one of the things I start working on immediately is extending the Wi-Fi so that we can make that connection. Secondly, we need to uh, consider the ambient daylight because it's very hard to see these screens in regular daylight. So, you know, for my video camera, I have a little hood that goes over it. It's a pain in the butt, but it does work. Do we need to do something like that? Is our our horses going to look like old-fashioned photographers that are peering into a screen while they have a cape over their head and back? Could be. We'll keep you posted. But I am hoping for this to work out because I really would love for these horses to be able to check in with each other and to know that they're both fine. Thank you for joining me tonight. And I'll have another podcast for you soon. So I hope you'll keep joining us. Please share with your friends. And I know it's hard to comment, but if you can comment, if you're on a forum that allows you to comment, please do. Or just send me a comment at Casey at sinalia.com. And let me know what you're thinking about the podcast, what you would like to hear. Uh, Even if you don't like something about it, if you want to share that, I would be glad to know. We're all in this together. I hope you're having a wonderful time with the animals in your life. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hey, fans. Are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Covert on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Covert. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.